0: everybody welcome back to the consummate athlete podcast i'm molly herford and when i am not recording this podcast or writing all about fitness nutrition endurance sport racing etc uh, i am hopefully outside getting one of those things done
1: and i am peter glassford i'm an endurance coach and a registered kinesiologist and you are here on the consummate athlete podcast where we talk to all different types of sporting Experts and athletes about what they do, the movements they do, and then we try and apply that back to our own sports movements lives, and just try and make those better.
0: I think I'm understanding the psycho eyes thing that my dad accused you of.
1: Do I do a lot of times? In when I'm talking on video, it's hard because my eyes go into like the back of my head. It's really odd. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I feel like I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. You guys are really lucky that we don't record these live on YouTube or anything because it's a little weird
1: yeah i mean it's just good editing right yeah yeah Yeah.
0: anyway welcome to the podcast so peter what have you been up to this week it's been a busy week because last time we recorded it was pre-mountain bike nationals so you hadn't actually raced yet we hadn't done a big run hike camp trip
1: yeah a couple clinics or mini clinics thrown in there um yeah it's been been busy times and then it's sort of we're not saying the the well, I guess we're saying that we're coming into cyclocross season here yeah. a little bit, uh, as much as we all sort of grimace a little bit. Um, it is getting more and more popular. So the sort of preamble to that, you know, early training. So I have a couple stock training plans. I have, you know, building out people sort of like August, September sort of prep for for cyclocross. So that's been busy getting ready for that. But yeah, mountain bike nationals went well. It was good to see everyone. I did about as well as I can expect. So all yeah, right. More importantly, athletes did fairly well. So, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and I mean, you transitioned pretty quick from being at mountain bike nationals to boom. Now we're we're on the trail. We went up to Clarny Provincial Park. If anyone is in Ontario or around Ontario, Killarney Provincial Park is awesome. You should definitely put it on your bucket list of places to explore. We talked about it last year because we did a sort well, of yeah. We had Eric Batty
1: on as well, talking about uh, that almost particular situation right
0: yeah we did a pretty speedy through hike of the La close silhouette trail there last year it's about 78k and some people will do it in you know a week or 10 days and some people do it in three or four we did it in two which we know plenty of people who've done that as well um so we didn't do that this time we actually just used their campground uh which is really nice actually um very it's it's rustic but not so rustic that you can't enjoy being there with a family and sort of some of the comforts of home i'll say like none of the campsites even the trailer ones have electric hookups right so it's very dark it's actually um they have one of the big telescopes there so they actually don't have lights in the park really Um, or very many because it's supposed to be as dark as possible so you can do some good stargazing um, so it is a really, really, really cool place. Highly recommend visiting. We did a bunch of hiking and running there, checking out both ends of the La Cloche silhouette trail. And yeah. Pre-running, yeah. yes. Yeah.
1: Preparing. Uh, but it was good. Yeah, good good preparation. Good little sort of, I guess it was sort of a post-nationals trip of sorts. Um, zero, I don't know. Zero I don't to know.
0: 100 for you running-wise, well, or maybe like we'll say 10 to 100 running-wise. I felt wise.
1: like I was conservative in that, but yeah we were a long days on feet uh but it was good so far. I've recovered well from that, so we're we're on track and then last night, we were down in Toronto for uh a a little uh a large event actually, they did a great job It was at Patagonia in Toronto, and they had a bunch of different people including yourself.
0: Yeah, they were sharing a screening of this really cool little short film, Life of Pie. Um that's Pi, Pie, P I E, like pizza. Uh super cool film about some rad women doing cool stuff in uh, out in Colorado. So they showed that, but they also had a few different bike groups in to talk about um, you know, just different bike initiatives in the area. So they had a couple of cool places or cool people and places there to talk about some different bike repair type stuff, bike shop, um, trail cleanup stuff. And then they had me talking about Shred Girls. Uh, This was really fun, packed crowd. Um, I was super impressed by just how well put together it was. So yeah, yeah, that was really fun.
1: Yeah, fairly. and, And not like they did a great job. I thought of no one was speaking for too long. The movie wasn't too long. You know, the social thing was like good. And but like everyone was sort of in and out. And I guess even like a two hour sort of total time.
0: Your favorite, all killer, no filler.
1: It was awesome. Really good. And then we got to look at lovely Patagonia stuff as well while we're in there. I'd like to
0: say Peter got to look at lovely Patagonia stuff. I was working.
1: Well, you know,
0: (laughs) his Christmas list has gotten much longer.
1: Yeah. So that was good. So let's get right into, we have some Q&A today. Uh, The first one's sort of about plateauing, right? Which is sort of a common thing. A lot of times people start looking into coaching or training plans, uh, which is probably a good first step really honestly based on sort of what a plateau can mean but sort of this plateau idea that like you've been training you've been you know going through the grind maybe for months maybe years in some case and you just feel like you're not progressing right you sort of hit a wall or a ceiling and you're wondering oh is this me getting old and I just can't expect any more improvement
0: yeah I mean I think the the first thing to remember with the plateaus is just that it's it's not necessarily a bad thing you know at some point you're just gonna hit an upward limit of what you can do like nino schurter or i you know trying to think of like any other katie compton does not think that oh i've only gotten you know 0.5 percent better this year i must be plateaued no she just thinks oh i'm at the top of my game right now this is, this is where I should be. So, you know, I think the first thing to do when you feel like you've plateaued is maybe to do a bit more of like a critical assessment and ask, have I actually plateaued or am I just in a good place for me with the training that I'm currently doing?
1: Yeah. And I think in all those cases, there's probably things, you know, there's a lot of ways to gauge improvement, right? So power numbers might not improve at a certain point, uh, for some people, you know, you sort of start, given the time you have or you're maybe at your genetic limit if you are sort of an elite level person you may be banging up against that sort of this is the best you're going to get in some areas but you know mountain biking would be an obvious one where most people even at the elite level have gains to be made in the consistency of their technical skills um, you know or just progressing their technical skills and that would trickle down right so as we get into the intermediates into age groupers you know, it's, it's very common that things that are fairly essential to the sport, whether that's like your start form for mountain biking or cyclocross, um, you know, hopping over logs, that sort of thing just isn't as good as it could be. Yeah. And I
0: mean, on the running side of that, you know, there's plenty of technical work to be done with running in terms of trail running and stuff like that. So and and it
1: could be in both cases right? It's there's the oh, I can hop a bigger log or a more extreme log. I can do a backflip and do this massive jump. But there's also in the trail running example is a great one. Just the more you do and this is where the older athletes keep getting more and more efficient you know, you're just more and more comfortable even in the mountains so much that you just can go down a trail and you've seen rocks before and you've run and picked your line that like it's almost subconscious, right? So you keep getting faster and faster or the exertion keeps getting lower and lower. The mental energy gets lower and lower for you to do the essentially the same things, right? So that's where someone like a Katie Compton, who's like an experienced national and champion world-class racer maybe isn't getting faster in like a testing standpoint, But maybe at the end of the race at the end of that last lap she hasn't been so mentally exerted because it's familiar right and and the dismounts and stuff like that she's not thinking about it right the muddy crazy atmosphere Mm -hmm. yeah so a lot of us you know there is something to that just showing up
0: yeah i think you know there's also just the thinking critically about if you're plateaued for the work that you're currently doing um, so we've talked a bunch about this. It's it's really easy to feel like you've plateaued and, and think it's it's you that's plateaued. Um, but it might be more your training stimulus is a little flat lately.
1: Right, right. And so we, we might have, like, if you're doing the same thing, there's like that. It's attributed to Einstein, the like doing the same thing and expecting different results. Right. And so there might be something you have to change. These days, it seems like everyone's, you know, I just ride the trainer a bunch of times a week and do sweet spots you know, I'm just riding in that middle ground intensity. And that's fine. That works for some time, right? I'm fond of Dan John, the strength coach has a saying, uh, everything works for six weeks, right? So periodization, planning your training. So maybe you have a phase of like sweet spot and you're building up the time you can hold sort of just under that threshold, you know, runners could do this as well, but there needs to be a mixed, right? I'm, we often talk about, you know, mid season sort of recovery weeks, you're backing off that same load, same trainer workouts, giving yourself a mental physical break, and then maybe doing like an endurance block where you're not even touching that high intensity, right? And then maybe right after that, you go back into sweet spot or into more of a polarized sort of like really easy or really high intensity, right? So just mixing up and periodizing your training. A lot of people are missing that just planning of training. Um, It's sort of just haphazard, right?
0: Mm Mm-hmm um do you maybe do you have any signs that are that would suggest a plateau is physical versus more of just like a mental one because i mean a plateau could also be sort of a warning sign that you're about to be kind of overtrained in that burnouty phase
1: and that's a great uh i guess delineation um like i guess if we use my example um of nationals right so i've been sort of sit five, six, seven, eight, I think I was ninth um for like the last ten years at national, so like is that i'm not I wouldn't say I'm really progressing, if anything I'm getting further away um but I'm also not like increasingly i'm not I don't wanna say not trying as hard, but I'm certainly not training specifically for that event each year it's less and less, I would say, right? I'm getting efficient. And like I say, there's a lot of things where it's just like, I've ridden all this stuff and technically I'm getting better and tactically I understand. And I finally realize that if I work on my start, then the whole race goes better. Um, So you're just getting smarter tactically, right? But but if we just directly looked at those results, then we'd say, oh, maybe I'm plateauing. But at the same time, my energy, I would say my health in the last few years has gotten better in many ways. But I'm also not like, physically, like I can go and do workouts, right? Like, and I can see those power numbers and there's the ebb and flow each year and I get the odd PB, but like, you know, things are progressing. So in general, like I'm fine, but you could also have a situation where like you've been pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, and you just feel like run down and maybe numbers are, you know, you're not seeing that ebb and flow with the season. Even you're not seeing progression, you may even see regression where you just can't, Push right, so you maybe used to do 300 on your threshold test, whatever that is, and then now it's like 270, and you feel like you're working way harder.
0: And I'd say both of us have been down that road in the last 10 sure, years. Sure, and sure, and it
1: happens. It happens, and and but the trick is not letting it happen for years or months, right? Like backing off, right? Like it's normal to get tired or, or to feel like you've gone too deep or need a break. Um, But it's knowing when to say when right before it's too, too long. Um, I think the other thing that sort of relates to that is that when you start into a new sport, um, you often will have linear gains. So like you'll put in one unit of work and you'll get one percent better or however you want to make your line. Right. So you keep training and you increase the amount you train and you keep getting better and better. You can like almost feel it. Right. Because you were like a complete beginner. You know, so you couldn't ride a bike and then all of a sudden you could ride a bike like that's a big transition. Right. And then you could do 100 on your threshold test. And then the next month you could do 130. So that went up like 30 percent. Right. Like, and it almost happens like that, especially early. But then once you're getting up into that, like, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think. For men, it would be like sort of like a 270 watt threshold test type thing. Once you're getting like over those ones where like a lot of people can do that, and then you're getting oh, I want to get 300, but not so many people do that, and then it keeps getting harder and harder and harder, right? So, it's 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 just becomes more specific, and that's where that periodization of training, that undulation, it can't just be like go out and ride and go out and do the group ride. Sometimes once you get past that period of linear gains, you're maybe getting to that like late intermediate stage. That's where we have to start thinking and planning and periodizing more so, right? Right. So I think that's that's hopefully helpful on the platform. We'll put one or two links. I know I've written at least one article just on how to test, like different ways to test yourself, um, just so it's not just the results. So you're not like me where you're like, oh, I'm always seventh place at nationals.
0: Yeah, and we've talked about this before. I mean, a lot of people base their feeling of plateau on their results, which might be fine if you're always racing the same race type and the same type of people or the same people in every race. Well, Like a it, lot of if, local series right? will, you know, you're always racing the same five guys and you're always, you know that you're going to be the third out of these five guys. And, you know, that's, that feels like a plateau. And that's maybe a reasonable thing. But if you're, Doing more, I think I'm gonna say running and triathlon are a little bit different than cycling, and that you tend to not really race against the same people every single time, unless you're at the most elite level and going to all of the biggest races. But I mean, in the past, you know, three years, I don't think I've ever been on a start line with people that I recognized in any runs or triathlons. Yeah, not so super it's regularly. it's yeah. really hard to say. Oh well, I've been. You know improving because my you know my results are better or i'm getting worse because my results are getting worse because you just don't have any context for who you're beating Um, so and i mean with with running or you know with trail running or something like that where You know 10k is not necessarily 10k you can't even really base it on time so i think in that case you do need to kind of figure out what your consistent testing situation is so you can actually see oh okay i have gotten faster on this trail or something like that so it's a little bit harder outside of cycling where you can get on a trainer and see a power number i think it's a little trickier but it can be done
1: yeah and i think we have to assume that the people we're competing against are also working hard and trying to progress So it might not be regular for you to actually get faster, but not see the result necessarily improve, right? Because everyone's going through this like base build phase in some way, you know, everyone gets to the summer and feels like they can ride more or get outside more and they're happier and, you know, they've been competing more, so they're more familiar with competition. So everyone should be getting better. That's what we almost hope for, right? So that the competition continues. Um, and I guess the only other thing related to that is just making sure that we're, we have progressive overload, right? So that we are continuing to improve. We sort of talked about that, but I just want to make sure that like training continues to get more challenging mm-hmm. and that could be more climbing, more intervals, more endurance, more volume, um, more technical. What else? More climbing was one we've talked about too.
0: Yes. It doesn't always just have to go longer. Or even harder.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And testing could mean just tracking like time for the week, time for, or distance for the week, if it's relevant. Um, I really like that meters climbed for the week is sort of a good one to see like how hard is your training? Because if there's climbing, it's usually takes some work, right? So for most athletes who involve climbing in their race, it would be a pretty easy one to track these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Cool. All right. On to the next. Well, we have a big one. Yeah. So this topic is one that we actually got asked a few questions about. Um, One was sort of this overarching idea of do supplements work and if so, which ones should I be using? But then we had a few specific ones. Someone asked about beetroot juice. Someone asked about bicarbonate lotions. Uh, Someone asked about ketone esters. So we kind of wanted to address this as a bit more of like a global look at you know what's the deal with supplements and you know how do they fit into the everyday athlete's life so where do you want to start here
1: well i mean i think and and we'll say that we will continue to look for experts we take suggestions on people who study these different things so if there is someone who you think is like oh yeah they know ketones like we'll talk to them right um especially if they're not selling ketones
0: which is very hard to find (laughs) right
1: um because we all have our i guess own biases too but I, I think the other thing in line with we'll we'll keep working and keep listening thank you for listening um but we also have some previous podcasts that that do help with at least this thought process if not some of these specific things so uh, way back we had kyle Borsma on i believe that episode was called uh how to run how to run um and he is a runner obviously down with the guelph track club very accomplished, and he's actually taken up some cycling, so he was a consummate athlete because he was sort of doing multiple sports as well. But he also has done a ton in terms of studying beetroot juice. Um, so that episode's really good, and he talks about who it's relevant for and just sort of what is involved in, in supplementing with nitrates. Uh, we also had Alex Hutchison on for his book Endure, which is a great book to read and sort of will help you understand some of these concepts around studies and just like what it means. Um, but Alex in his own writing will link to some of his articles too on beetroot juice. He's wrote on beetroot juice a ton, but a few other supplements as well. So that's something to consider looking into uh, upcoming. We'll have David Epstein on in his book range, which is also quite good and looking at studies. And then we had Dr. Bubbs on just recently and he talked about a couple different things um, and, and listed sort of some different things to consider when looking at research and, and just some things that sort of work. And also this concept of big rocks that, you know, the big things like sleep, nutrition, effective training, like we were just talking about with sort of progressive overload and sort of these are the things that none of us want to do, but they're the, the things that actually work. Right. Um,
0: I mean, you just you just rattled off a bunch of episodes, so we'll have all the links for them in right. the show notes. Right. Um, so what is your sort of overarching take on supplements?
1: Um, I think over the years, especially, I've just come to think, you know, there's no magic pill, and unfortunately, like... It's very unfortunate. Things take time, right? And and we don't always have time, and we don't always have money. So it's, it's understandable that, like, we all have this thing, this compulsion, I guess, to look or this want for for something, right? Something to just add in or to supplement. Um, and that could be, you know, the latest altitude training, or it could be, you know, any variety of things, right? I think when we're talking,
0: super weird one, I remember the first time I read triathlete magazine and we're talking like 12 years ago, there was this little tiny paragraph of a story about how coconut water was like the next big thing and i have that thing cut out saved i started drinking coconut water immediately and i mean as far as mild supplementation-y type things that's a pretty like chill one but man it is so easy to be influenced by pretty much any type of media saying oh this is like this is the thing to try
1: yeah yeah it's pretty tricky there's all these ads right and so I think for me, it's one of those things that it's just because something has an ad doesn't mean that it doesn't work, but it's it's a pretty good red flag because it seems like a lot of the things that have stuck around and do work are not necessarily like flashy things. Um, so like bicarbonate is just basically baking soda, beetroot juice is beets, like a lot of these things that have shown any sort of efficacy tend to be sort of like things that you can at least recognize like where what they were derived from or at least or, or they actually are the thing so like at least coconut water like is coconut water
0: yeah for sure
1: um
0: i think so before we kind of get into any of that stuff the other big caveat is there's a reason if you ask most pros what they're supplementing with or what their food routine looks like or any of that they pretty much don't touch supplements. I've interviewed so many different professional athletes in all different disciplines, and I don't think I could name a single one that has told me, oh, I definitely take you know XYZ supplements. Um, and the reason for that, partially, is because supplements aren't regulated, so there's really no telling what's in them, to be honest. Um, so first, you just have to kind of be aware of when you're taking a supplement. Like If you go to a GNC and just buy a bunch of stuff there, um, there's no guarantee that everything in it is gonna test legally. So if that's a thing that you're worried about, definitely something to kind of keep in mind as you as you look into any of these.
1: Yeah, it almost relates back to that placebo, or not placebo, to the plateau uh, question, right? Like, I think that's often where we're getting to this period where we feel like we're not getting the linear gains. You know, we keep training, but we're not getting faster. And then, oh, we're getting older or or whatever that thought process is. Um, And then we start trying to look for the thing that's going to help us continue, right?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: And and that thing might just be, oh, okay, I need to, you know, this is a hard block of training. I need to try and nap more. Um, And you and I were sort of talking about how, you know, it's potential like supplements are so expensive and they're not a for sure thing really ever, um, you know, and we're talking such small percentages. But if you took that $50 for whey protein powder, um, whey proteins generally supported you can get pretty well like third-party standardized you know we know it comes from dairy so there's a, it checks a lot of these boxes that were sort of like does this make sense is this safe um, but then at the same time like if you could take that and you're like okay well 50 bucks is two hours of well-paid babysitting probably you know with those two hours where you can like get out and do like two hard runs or take four naps You know, I don't know if you can spread babysitting over four periods like that, but don't think so. um, You you get what I'm saying? Like, there's sort of this like is if the money is there, you know, which is not the case for everyone, but that that financial piece and what could you do with that training? You know, is there something in the training that could be mimicked or or not mimicked but modified, right?
0: Yeah, or even is there better quality regular food you could buy?
1: Yeah, could you get away from you know a good quality dairy? right? Mm-hmm. Probably, right? And you could probably buy a fair bit of yogurt, right? Some, some good Greek yogurt or something. and get some, some, some way there, right? And you're going to get BC double A's, which is another popular supplement in that. Um, so, I mean that it's just to be considered. So I think, how do we want to go? This is such a big topic. Um, but I think if we think through this a little bit, um, the one question we had was sort of do, Like, do supplements work? What do we know? Um, And there's certainly things that have shown to be efficacious for certain populations and in certain applications. Does that make sense? So there's, you know, something that is going to help build muscle or improve your short-term power. But what you want to think about is like, okay, so this, it seems like there's studies, maybe we've gone through. You know, uh, we'll put a list to sort of places where you can get position stands from uh, things like the IOC or the ISSN, or we m- mentioned Alex Hutchison as like another person who's pretty good with being on top of studies. Sort of have these things, and you can sort of do some research and, and see, like, is there, like, reputable people who aren't selling me, you know, beetroot juice? But are there people, are there studies that are just, like, beetroot juice seems to work for this application? Um and, and then once you know that there's those studies and that it sort of does work and maybe does it work for an endurance athlete like myself doing a 90 minute mountain bike race or is it more for like a five minute effort?
0: Right. Like if it's if it's shown to be great for CrossFitters, does that really apply to you as a, you know, marathon
1: right. runner? And maybe like untrained CrossFitters, right? Mm-hmm. That's often the catch is like a lot of things are like untrained people do this thing And then they get fitter. Well, if they're on train, they're probably going to get that linear gains where I was saying you get like 30% improvement just by going to a CrossFit gym. And this isn't picking on CrossFit. We could say you go to your cycling um, class and you get fitter from spin class, right? right? Sort of just makes sense. Like if you do something, you should get, in theory, better right yeah you a lot of
0: studies are recreational athletes which is a very broad general term
1: yeah and that was the case with beetroot juice and it's still is sort of going back and forth but there was this thing where like for more amateur athletes it actually seemed to to help and then the fitter you got the less it seemed to help and the thought was maybe okay elites have sort of maximized some of the the adaptations already and so they're just not seeing that improvement right mm-hmm. um some of that stuff in the cardiovascular system and blood volume and stuff like that, that maybe the the nitrate is helping with, right? Um, I think the other important piece then is, so, okay, we've gone through those studies. You know, it seems like there's reputable sources that aren't selling anything. Um, probably in those studies, there's a mechanism. So again, you could sort of look through and learn about how nitrate affects, again, the cardiovascular system sort of helps with blood flow. Okay, maybe it's reducing the co- energy costs. This sort of makes sense a bit to me. Uh, Can you sort of explain it in semi-layman's terms, right? Then, again, we talked about, is there a practical for your sport? Because if I gain weight from taking creatine and my mountain bike race involves a lot of climbing, then it might not matter that I got, you know, a second faster in my start or maybe not even that fast.
0: You're just super jacked.
1: Well, yeah, maybe. Or like I weigh two pounds extra, right? There's ways to avoid that maybe with something like creatine, which is well supported, but again, well supported for what and for who, right? So I think we just need to be careful with that. And then related to that is what is the dosing effect? Like, is there a dosing effect of creatine that wouldn't have as much uh, side effect in terms of extra weight or, Mm -hmm. or is that a thing? And and then again, is it giving me a benefit that I actually need? Right. Because there's usually going to be a trade-off with that too, potentially, uh, we, so related to that then is side effects. A lot of these things seem to have some, an effect on the GI. So we were sort of joking about, you know, you take beetroot juice, maybe take some, some sodium bicarbonate. There's
0: some MCT oil in there. Some,
1: yeah. You'd get in your ketones and then all of, a, in your coffee. all of a sudden you're on the start line and you need to go to the washroom quite badly. Right. And there's the porta potty line and, you know, and then this is screwing with your whole mental state. Cause you're like, wow, I have the like is it like runner's trots or something like that right i'm trying to find a word here that's not quite as disgusting but there you go um so a lot of these things have side effects right it's it's a a drug of sorts
0: actually yeah and for some reason all of them make you poop
1: it it seems very common which is interesting right but you're sort of throwing this like high dose of something in right so you can think about anything right i don't know if people have maybe done like a, a beet or kale smoothie so whole foods it should be good for you it's health Right. But if you go and take that smoothie right now, I guarantee you, you won't, you're going to end up in the washroom. Right. So you need to be careful because some of these side effects, like, yes, beetroot juice, you know, again, you can get concentrated beetroot juice and stuff and nitrate. But you need to be careful because while it might be one percent faster, if we can get you to the start line, you may not make it to the start line in a happy state or at all.
0: You're going to use that sprint to get to the porta potty
1: yeah. And then again, you can back out. Like I always sort of ask myself, like, again, can I get whey protein from yogurt? Well, can you get nitrate from something like arugula? A lot of people haven't tried arugula. It's a leafy green, but it is one of the tastiest leafy greens out there. And it's the highest, I think, per weight, even higher than beets in in uh, nitrate. Right. And so you could have a bit more beets and a bit more arugula in your salads and just keep that chronically in your diet. And that's been well supported. And paleo community loves this. And away you go. Right
0: yeah cheaper ticks your vegetable box great
1: right um so we talked on the people selling stuff again that's sort of a red flag not a meaning that it doesn't work but if there's a red you know this is like our proprietary blend of superfood a- acai then you just want to be a little careful right because like why is it proprietary yeah, and again not that it's bad but you just want to be careful. Um, and then I think the last thing is just it doesn't necessarily affect all of us, but has this is this like a banned substance? Is this like a reputable source? Is it third party sort of certified because so many of these supplements you'll see like the the big headlines about, you know, 90% of supplements don't have, you know, regulation or, or don't have what they claim is mm-hmm. in them, right? So they might be like just fillers, you know, it might be something completely you don't want to take in something right so right. that's a lot of times when elite athletes don't take as it, it's there's the doping thing but then there's also just like i just don't want to take some miscellaneous thing i don't even know what it is
0: yeah for sure um i think the last thing to kind of touch on too is you know okay so all of these things might possibly make you say one percent faster um so if you take 10 of them are you 10 percent faster
1: yeah, and we haven't had Trent Stellenwerf on the podcast. He's one of our dream guests. But we, he does have a lot of good content, which I'll link to a few different articles. And one of the things that he's often quoted as, as sort of using as an example here is that you have all these things like caffeine's 2%, beetroot juice is 1%, um, sodium phosphate, uh, like your baking soda is another 1%. So we would expect you're getting up to like 5% gains, right? So you're going to win. That's how far I was yeah. behind at nationals. If I just would have done all these supplements, what I have, been, what I would have won. Yeah, have right. That's it. math. I was five percent down, five percent gains, but unfortunately, you it, it sort of ends up just being one percent all the time, right? So that doesn't necessarily mean that caffeine doesn't work, but it means that there's maybe something centrally in the brain that's like, oh well, you know, you can get that extra percent. Um, it might might also mean that there's an element of sort of placebo, like, you know, when we know we're taking this supplement that should be supported and isn't going to make us sick and and all this stuff, you know, maybe there is a bit of a placebo sort of mental edge there as well, right? And you do see that in studies where, like, if people think they're in, like, the, like, cutting edge sort of thing, they do get a little bit of a boost. and And that's okay, too, right? So... Uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth and I'll link to sort of the different articles he's written on this. He has a couple of things on what supplements work in his opinion and for who. And then also sort of a thought process as far as like using supplements properly in the right doses and so forth. Um, but his thought process is you sort of pick the thing. I believe in caffeine. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of side effects. I like coffee. Coffee is my supplement. Um, You know, I like whey protein. It's convenient for us to travel. You know, a lot of times you can't get good sources of protein when you're out at restaurants. So I like whey protein. So those are sort of my two go to supplements. Well supported. I don't think you get many people arguing with you um, on those two things. You know, there's certainly too much of either or, or people that can't take them. But that's my 1%. And just focus on training, sleeping and, you know, Being happy otherwise.
0: Yeah, I'd say a lot of athletes even kind of forget how many supplements they're already using, right? Because, I mean, carb you know sugar powder for your you know sports drink is right. technically a supplement like yep. those electrolytes supplements that the, the magnesium the, bars, yep. the magnesium the calcium that you take at night the multivitamin all of those are supplements so for most of us we're already taking several different supplements what you know they might be the most normal things in the world like you said coffee technically a supplement um so you're you're probably already hitting a lot of them so i mean you gotta kind of question like at what point do you need to kind of you know put a pin in it and be like okay this is this is it
1: yeah and, and trent makes the point in one of his things that like these should be cycled right so not only should you be like knowing the timing and dosage of something like caffeine to really maximize that um which takes time and energy to learn and execute Um, But you also want to be cycling on and off of all of this stuff. Yeah,
0: you can pry my coffee out of my cold, dead hands. (laughs)
1: Um, So just, you know, you don't need to take your creatine or your protein powder. Give yourself a break. And for a lot of us, I I know when I was younger, this is like, just don't do anything and see, do you actually feel any different? Because that like magic greens powder or something may actually not be like, you may actually feel better, right? There may have been something that wasn't making your body feel good. In whatever the supplement is um, or they're interacting right and so I think we have to be careful because there's so much stuff like it could be stuff you're applying to your skin your hair um, you know muscle rubs you know we have Tylenol and NSAIDs thrown in there um, whey proteins you said sugar powders recovery powders um, there's just a lot right and so I think because it's such a hard thing even just to like get your your coffee dosage you know, figure it out. When are you having it? How are you getting it to the race? Um, I think just really giving some thought to like, what do I need? What can I afford? What is safe? What is, you know, likely to give me that benefit? What do I believe in? Um, and then just putting the rest of that energy, time, money, into the the trainings, right? The adventures.
0: Yes, and if at a race someone comes up and offers to put their whatever bicarbonate CBD lotion on you, don't do it.
1: Well, certainly race day, right? And that's a big, like, that's always the, like, Iron Man joke, but it's not just Iron Man. They just have a better festival, I think, is the problem there. But it's true. Yeah. on race day, right? Like, you don't generally want to try new anything, right? Race month, even, ideally, right? Like, we're, whether it's a new saddle or, you know, a new bike position or whatever, we want to be careful. Um, I think the only, I guess my closing thing would be just, you know, you can get help with a lot of this stuff, right? It does get confusing. But I think when we start getting into, okay, I need to do this, like, really crazy thing, going and getting blood work, you know, going and having someone help you with, like, a a plan, like, where are you now? What are you trying to do? What's reasonable to expect? How are we going to test this? How long are we going to do it? What's the pre-post test on this, right? And that alone might just be like, meh, I'm just going to keep riding my bike, and, you know, I'm rolling pretty well. I'll just take a nap periodically.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would have to say I would shout out Inside Tracker for this, because not only do they do the blood testing, they'll also then send like a pretty hefty report with recommendations. And I liked that none of the recommendations were super supplementy. It was all pretty much whole foods based. Um, yeah, very like low key, um, not pushing any supplements. So I liked that. But I mean, any you know doctor, dietitian, person like that that can do blood work also a great idea. Naturopath, I guess.
1: Sure. Yeah, in Canada, at least, I think, in the States, sort of functional medicine or something like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, uh, and our last question is a um, woman who gets up very early for runs. Before her runs, she'll do, you know, toast with, like, a bit of peanut butter or something like super Super light breakfast, basically, banana some days, that kind of thing. Runs, give or take, you know, 60 to 90 minutes, say, and then gets home, has kids, has a job, has to get ready. The day starts pretty quick. Um, But she wants to make sure she's getting in the right recovery breakfast. Um, Right. So what what advice do we have for her?
1: Well, it's it's tough, right? Because it's logistical. It's, you know, you got kids running around and got to get to work and stuff.
0: Because the yeah, the basic answer is just a meal. And that's, you know, that good plate where it's some vegetables, some carbohydrates, some protein, some fats. Um, because, you know, not only are you trying to recover from the workout where you need the carbohydrate and protein, you're also just trying to have your breakfast to set you up for a good day. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a tricky one because on one hand you want to be like, oh yeah, sit down and have a full meal. But, uh, with three kids running around and needing to get to work, that is not necessarily a realistic or relaxing thing to do. Like, okay, you might be able to sit at the counter and, you know, have, have those eggs and potatoes or whatever but it's sort of difficult if you have you know three minutes to eat it and kids are yelling or you know you're trying to grade a last minute paper or something like that before you get in the car to head to work so I think this is not going to apply to everyone but I think you know we've been talking about this the smoothie might be the answer here because it gives you kind of all of the you can check all of those you know, vegetable, carbohydrate, protein, healthy fat, you know, blend it up in a thing and then actually enjoy it on your drive to work instead of trying to slam something at the breakfast table.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think you could definitely do that. um, Especially when it's a question of like not eating maybe for like a long time after, um, you know, a lot of us normal people, the workouts are not like we're not necessarily training again in the evening, maybe not even training the next day. And that workout in the morning, you know, is probably hard, but maybe not fully maximal, like completely depleting, right? Um, so I think we that the, like window after is, you know, you have a little bit of skew time there. They usually say 30 to 60 minutes. Um, so, I mean, I think a snack, again, would be okay, or, you know, sort of a smoothie that sort of hits those bases. Like you say, sort of the, a bit of veggies, throw some, some leafy greens in there or something. Um, it could be a whey protein or yogurt for your protein. And then, you know, some berries, maybe a banana, that sort of thing, get some carbohydrate. Uh, and then you could throw some fat in with some nut butter or something like that
0: yeah definitely doesn't have to be super fancy to be a sm- you don't need to throw in like 18 adaptogens and no you know, all of these other no in line things. with what we were just
1: talking about too right like i think sometimes it's tempting to make like that the superest of superfoods but um you know sometimes it's just that convenient sort of like get that meal in um i think the other option would be you know you could certainly have bars or something like that but sometimes like that you know, it could be leftover dinner or or lunch and, and maybe that's even, you know, smoothie. And then you do have sort of like a decent whole meal for lunch. Maybe you get a nice lunch break or something at work that you can sort of enjoy and sit down and have that good meal. But I think sometimes in life, there's just that period of hustle, right? Someday maybe there'll be a relaxing breakfast and that could be like the weekend, right? Like maybe the weekend there is time for that nice relaxing sit down breakfast Mm -hmm. while kids are probably still running around, but
0: it's true. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, we tend to overthink this and think that there's, okay, we need to definitely get XYZ grams of this and this and this and it has to be perfect or all is lost. But yeah, it, it basically eat no. like a normal. No, I think, and that's
1: the tricky bit, right? Like that's with what we're talking about with supplements. It's like for who, right? Like is this like whey protein really needed, right? Or or this recovery shake needed, right? A lot of times that like time to get recovered if you just ate normal meals, you know, that everything gets recovered usually in that sort of 24 hours. Yeah.
0: Canadian running actually just posted a really good article with a woman who's an elite marathoner, but also like a full-time teacher. And it's just what she eats in a day. And I thought it was one of the best whole foods, reasonable examples that I'd ever seen. I'll include a link to that in the show notes, but it was just, you know, very, very simple, real meals. There was not, you know, sometimes when you read the like elite people, you're like, how do they, how are they only eating a sliver of salmon and a sprig of lettuce for dinner? And you realize they don't actually eat like that. They're just saying it for the article. This was the most realistic article that I've ever read in terms of what I, like, what an elite actually eats in a day with a full time job.
1: And you mentioned the uh cookbook too is, is a yes. great one and they have like things like muffins and stuff
0: yeah so uh and Fal- flanagan and elise Kopecki have run fast cook fast eat slow um which is all super easy quick prep quick cook recipes um and a lot of them can be done in bulk and either refrigerated or even frozen so and there's a ton like, of muffins and but you muffins know,
1: that have like I don't know. I can't recall if they had vegetables in them or not. But yeah. like they'd have like maybe a bunch, like a bunch of egg or something, right? Yeah. So they're a little more protein rich than your standard muffin.
0: Yeah, and it's actually really easy. The one that I've always liked making is uh, if you use a muffin tray, you can basically make mini quiche frittatae-esque things with eggs. It's just eggs, veggies, you know. Oil the pan a little bit throw them in and you basically have these little muffin sized egg patties like almost what you'd get on like an egg mcmuffin type thing but a healthy made at home version um so you can even kind of diy your own egg mcmuffin that has a bunch of veggies in it and kind of yeah because sometimes again like
1: you're sort of i guess stuffing that in your mouth it's not necessarily eating slowly but again sometimes there's a hustle um but yeah sometimes you can get those sort of like all in one like package type foods right
0: hmm cool All right. Well, I think we will wrap up there. Um, As always, you know, if you have any questions, if you have any supplement experts you'd like to hear from, or if you have any other supplements you're, you're wondering about that you'd like us to find an expert for, I'd love to find, you know, someone who can kind of speak to how all of these play out. Um, Let us know. You can find me at Molly J. Hereford. You can find Peter at Peter Glassford. Um, Consummateathlete.com has a contact form. So yeah, ask us anything. Keep the training, racing, nutrition questions coming. Um, And as always, if you've already rated and reviewed the podcast, thank you so much. If you haven't, um, if you could do that, that's super helpful for us getting big guests on. Um, Like I said, we have David Epstein coming up, which is super exciting. And to get more awesome guests like him coming on you know the ratings and reviews really help if you've already done that thank you so much and if you could maybe share the episode with a friend share your favorite episode with a friend that would be amazing as well so thanks for tuning in and we will see you next week